You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a podcast all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome back to another episode, my lovely, lovely friends. It is so good to have you here today. If you're new around here, thanks so much for joining us. And if you're a seasoned, refined hippie podcast listener, of course, thank you so much for joining us again. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share to the podcast. Also, you could write a comment. All of these things help with SEO and for others to find the podcast. So we're just going to jump right into today's episode, which is a pretty exciting one for multiple reasons, of course, not only because of the wonderful guests. Yes, I said guests. Two people. I mean, obviously because they're super awesome, but because it's two people. This is the first time I've ever interviewed two guests, which I will say is kind of a learning curve, especially when we're not in person and it's all remote, but it was so much fun to have these two girls on, uh, these two ladies who are super amazing and are doing wonders for the plant-based vegan community. And who are these two people that I'm speaking of? So it is Michelle Kane of World of Vegan and Tony Okamoto from Plant-Based on a Budget. These two are powerhouses in the plant-based vegan community. They have been producing videos, books, cookbooks, speaking at seminars, retreats for years, and just out there spreading the message that we do not need animal foods to be happy and healthy. And actually, we can be healthier and happier without causing this harm and this suffering to these beautiful, innocent beings. Michelle and Tony have a new cookbook coming out called Becoming a Friendly Vegan. So naturally, we chat about that. We talk about how it was creating a cookbook together, some of their favorite recipes, some of their favorite recipes for uh, the holidays or for when they have guests. We also, of course, talk about their story and how, why, when they became vegan because We're all on our own journey and we all get here for different reasons, different times, but all that really matters is that we're here. Or even if you're partially here, that's fine too. Maybe you're just trying to eat less animal products and you're curious about, you know, stepping it up. Or maybe maybe you haven't even gotten to that point and you just are curious about plant-based veganism and I applaud you for being here with us today. So without further ado, here is my interview with Michelle and Tony. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Right before I, I hit record, I was just saying this is the first time that I've ever had uh, two guests on at the same time. So yeah, and Tony and I are usually in the past have been together when we record podcast episodes, but now we're all coming from our separate socially isolated situations oh, no. in pandemic I'm, times. Oh so weird. Are y'all in the same town? Do y'all live in the same town? Yeah, we both live in Sacramento, California. Nice. Yeah. Are y'all from that area? Tony is. Yes, yeah. I am from here and I love it. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm from Oakland, California. So we lived, we used to drive an hour and a half to hang out and see each other. And now, now we're right close together. (laughs) Isn't that convenient? That's so nice. So So did y'all become friends through because of plant-based veganism or were you friends before? We were definitely, we were definitely friends through veganism. And the the story is actually really funny because I knew I wanted to be Michelle's friend and she was a little bit hesitant. We, we had met before and I, I felt the instant connection, but, but Michelle had, but Michelle had just started a new job actually doing what she's doing now with world of vegan Mm -hmm. and was so busy and protective of her time. So when I said, Hey, Michelle, uh, if you ever want to hang out or get some food, go to a vegan restaurant. She was like, uh, well, I'm actually really busy doing World of Vegan, but uh, thanks for the invite. Oh my, gosh. oh my gosh. Michelle, do you remember it that way? Oh yeah, I do. I It's actually like I used to be the person who would say yes to everything. And that's still who I am at heart. Like I want to do all the things and- And I just, I feel so connected to so many people that you meet once you step into a scene that is a lot of people who are like-minded and really passionate and just, I'm like, I want to be everyone's friend. But, but at, at the same time, it's like, you get to a point where you just have to start saying no. So I was in that new brand new stage of practicing my default answer to everything is no. And that included hanging out with people. Um, but I'm so glad Tony is persistent. (laughs) She didn't give up on you. (laughs) No, she was like, Hey, Michelle, well, what if when we hang out, we film videos for like teaching people how to eat healthy vegan food or eat vegan food or whatever. And I was like, well, that sounds like a great idea. And so the first time we hung out, I think we might've filmed six cooking videos or something (gasps) crazy. And then we were instant BFFs and we're like, productivity friends. Like we could probably count on 10 fingers, the number of times where we've hung out just to just hang out, which is really nice sometimes. But at the same time, we both have in us like that drive to create. So it's really fun to be able to do that together. And those 10 days include Michelle's wedding, my wedding, Michelle's baby (laughs) shower, the day Michelle's baby was born. Those are the times (laughs) that we can count. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, it obviously shows because y'all have produced, I mean, so much, I mean, content and like written books. I mean, y'all are like all over it. So, I mean, it's good to have, you know, somebody to, to root you on too, you know, like as inspiration and encouraging motivation, all those things. I know that I, I feel grateful because I don't think I could have accomplished or that I would have accomplished nearly as much as I have um, in the plant-based world without Michelle's cheerleading, mm-hmm. her support, her um, her place in my life as my partner and plant-based things. Yes. She is such a good role model and also support system. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it actually lonely, you know, like working, for, I mean, working for yourself or starting a new business and, um, and having other peers or, I mean, it's like you're our mentors for each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. It is crazy. Cause I, I was creating content for gosh, I want to say like eight years before meeting Tony and that whole journey was 
like you described, it was very lonely. It was just me Mm -hmm. behind my computer or even like out at events or speaking. I did everything alone and that's lonely, but it's also, I just had my one brain. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have anyone to bounce ideas off of, to be like, you try this and I'll try this. And then we'll share what, what worked well for each of us. So finding someone who was in an aligned path and that we, we were doing similar work has been the greatest gift. I love it so much. And for anyone who is doing creative work, um, whether that's, you know, creating podcasts or blogging or really anything, if you are, if you don't know anyone around you, who's doing similar work, go find them. It is be like Tony, go be like, will you be my friend? And if they say (laughs) no, just make it happen because it really is truly life-changing. I need to do that. I need to do that. (laughs) That's so funny that you say that, Michelle, because I don't see myself as that person. Will you be my friend type person as an introvert? And I make fun of my husband who really, truly is the will you be my friend kind of person. And so uh, to hear you speak about me in that way, it's like, whoa. Maybe I am. Maybe I am really friendly. (laughs) Well, we better be friendly. We wrote the book. (laughs) We wrote the friendly vegan cookbook. Yeah, yeah, I would hope you are friendly. (laughs) I would say I'm friendly, but I don't, I don't know how you are with this, Rebecca, but I really love being at home with my family and my dog and, uh, and that's just my happy state. And so going out into the world even as a really friendly person, um, it just takes a little bit more effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Introvert life. Yeah. I'm like right in the middle, you know, like I want to, I, I, I can, I'm extroverted to an extent and then I just get overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I've talked enough. <laughs> like I've been around enough people. I feel I'm, I'm also like an empath. So I think you take on other people's mm-hmm. energy, which can be exhausting, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have to get away and like recharge. So I totally get that. I feel like after the pandemic craziness is over, all of us full or partial introverts are going to be full extroverts. (laughs) It's like for the first time, the world is going to see an entire world of extroverted humans who are just like, okay, I've recharged for two years now. We're ready to go. (laughs) Yes, we have definitely, that will be the case, I'm sure. And it's going to be a weird a weird world at that point. I mean, it Rebecca, already is a weird point. <laughs> do you have a dog? I have two cats. Okay. Uh, see, I feel like if you have a dog and you're active with your dog, that you get so much socialization. Your neighbors are like, hey, how are you? Let's, uh-huh. let's have our dog sniff each other or if you go to the <laughs> dog park or something. So I didn't have a dog pre-COVID and I, we started fostering and then we kept him. And so I feel like I've been more social now than I've ever been because I have a dog. And I feel like I need a dog because of this. I've literally talked about this with my husband of a reason, main reason why I need a dog now is like that you meet more people that way, you know, you're like out and about. Yeah. Before no neighbors would would wave at me or anything. Like, oh, your dog is so cute. Can I say hello? Yeah, if it's just you, they're like, oh, I don't care about you. <laughs> oh, you, have and, a, you have an animal. <laughs> and in fact, they're like avoiding eye contact. Yes. Isn't that so bizarre? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I need a dog. I my cats, I can't really walk my cats. I don't think they would like that. <laughs> Probably not. No. I've tried. I did put one on a on a harness. Um, because she wanted to go outside and I was like, you're not going outside. Like I have to be with you. I have to monitor you anyway. So we started with 
having them like monitored outdoor visits with them on a harness. Um, and then slowly it went to them going outside and like sitting under the bush or something without the harness. Aww. But I know <laughs> it's, I made, I did a lot of cute videos of them with their little harnesses on, but I was going to say they will for sure become internet famous in a hot two seconds. I know. Right? I know. I should upload this. Around outside. I should upload this. <laughs> so cute. Did your cats try to walk backwards out of their harness? Cause my cat, like my, scooting out. Yeah, he would like try to walk backwards out of his harness. Well, mine, um, she, I think she got spooked by something and she did one of those like, you know, barrel roll kind of things and she, she rolled out of it. So they don't oh. really, yeah, they don't stay very long there. They can easily get out, I think, if they really want to. <laughs> yeah, I used to have a bunny and oh. I thought, oh my gosh, I never get to bring him outside. He just like deserves to explore the grass and all <laughs> over. So I tried the harness thing, which basically you, I think you get kind of like a very tiny cat harness or yeah, something. Yeah. And he was have none of it. He was just like, <laughs> no, he very rarely hissed, but I got like a, a straight bunny up hisses? bunny hiss. No way. <laughs> they kind of like do like <laughs> Oh my like, god! With their teeth flaring out, it's and <laughs> how precious! That's sad, poor little guy. Yeah, yeah. So we abandoned that that route. It's I've seen so some sad. videos of bunnies on harnesses. I guess yes. it's like all those things. You have to start them when they're young, you know, yeah. so they're like used to it. You can't just throw a harness on them when they're a couple years old, and they're gonna yep. be like what are you doing to me? You are evil. <laughs> yep. So if anyone's adopting a little baby animal, try the harnesses at a young age so yeah. that they can have lots of outdoor experiences. <laughs> yeah. That's, I should have done that with mine as well. They were, they were a couple years old and they were like, why are you doing this to me? This is so bizarre, but oh well. Um, <laughs> so uh, a lot of times I, I like to start out my chats with uh, talking about my guest. Ooh. I hear a little. Uh, I'm sorry. I hear a friend Hi, right Eddie. now. <laughs> he wants to join. He's he he really wants to make sure he has a presence on every podcast, at uh, least he, saying hello. I I don't blame him. I mean, usually my cats do the same thing, but I think they're <laughs> they're sleeping now. So, but they might chime in at some point. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, so I like to start out with kind of I call it the origin story, which somebody has has said that that sounds like they're a Marvel comic superhero, but I'm in my eyes. Anybody who is spreading the the plant based vegan way is is pretty much a superhero to me. So uh, I would love to hear y'all's origin stories of you know how you became a, a an, an advocate for veganism and uh, plant based you know eating. Awesome, Tony. You want to start? You can start. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I, I, I would, but um, I'm sorry. I don't know if this is going to be edited out, but I, I just want to calm Eddie down for a second. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to keep myself on mute for just one second. Okay. okay. Tony, you be Eddie snuggling. <laughs> so I went vegan when I was in college after picking up a book called Animal Liberation at a, used, at a used bookstore. I had no idea the significance of it. It was 99 cents at the store. And I read that book and was like, oh. life-changing. I put it, I read it in like a day and that made me decide to go, to go full vegan. Um, but my story started way, way, way before then. Actually, when I was eight years old, I was a huge animal lover and just, I would say, uh, generally 
consciously compassionate person and empath. I really did feel for others. And so Mm -hmm. I was a little slow on the uptake that the meat that I was eating came from animals. (laughs) Somehow I just didn't really think about that at all. And one day I was watching Mm -hmm. some movie with like a lamb and the lamb's mom dies. And I was like (gasps) crying. (laughs) And later that night, my mom made lamb with mint jelly (gasps) dinner which apparently was one of my favorite foods. I don't, I don't remember this, but my mom tells me this and, and I went down to eat it and my mom made some kind of offhanded comment saying, wow, this is kind of like the, that's kind of sad. Like this is like the lamb in the movie. And I was like, what? What? (laughs) This is an actual, like lammy, this is lammy that I'm eating. (laughs) Like the furry lamb animals. And my mom was like, yeah, like she just thought I knew and understood that. I had not at all made that connection before. And so in that moment, I was just kind of horrified. I pushed my plate away. I said, I... I'm not going to eat this. I don't want to, you know, cause an, an animal to die or lose their mother or any of these things. Um, I want no part in this. And if this is lamb, then now I'm guessing chicken comes from my friends, the chickens and, and, you know, so on <laughs> and so other, forth. Yeah. yeah. So on and so <laughs> forth. Um, and so in that moment I was like, okay, I'm not going to eat animals anymore. I didn't even know there was a word for it. My mom was like, okay, honey, that's called vegetarian. (laughs) And I'm sure my mom thought, okay, well, we'll just see how long this lasts. Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) she never said, no, you can't do that. She just kind of like explained what that meant and said, okay, well, you can kind of make your own cereal and pasta or whatever you want to eat. So at, at age eight, I became vegetarian and I kind of did just that. I'd kind of make my own food. I was by no means like super healthy. I ate a lot of cereal, mm-hmm. milk, <laughs> che- um, pasta, cheese, all those things. Yeah. And stayed that way for a while. Then I started learning about factory farming and um, got exposed to a lot of the information about animal agriculture and our food system. And that was truly horrifying. And that's when it switched from in in me from being this is just a personal choice that I'm making to I'm dedicating my life to spreading awareness about these things because this, no one would be okay with this. Mm -hmm. I understand people being like, okay, it's the natural way to just eat meat and for the, like, and to just leave it at that. But the way that we are producing meat in today's world, I just knew no one who saw this would be okay with it. And so at that point, still pretty young, I became a little activist. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And um, yeah, I started little animal rights groups and- and fundraisers and stuff at, at my different schools. And then in high school, I would give talks and, and wow. speeches to the school about all sorts of things relating to food and even like animal experimentation and things like that. And, um, yeah, then in college, I started another group, the Case Animal Rights and Ethics Society. And at that point, I started to meet some other people who were vegan. I didn't even know what that word meant. I thought it was a health food term hmm. at, around the same time when I picked up that book, Animal Liberation by Peter Singer, who's an ethicist. Um, and the two of those together, I just felt like, okay, now, now I see that it's not just leaving meat off my plate is not, is not enough. Is not enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually the, the dairy and the eggs and everything can be causing even more suffering. And I, mm-hmm. I, in the same way that I did when I was eight years old, I just, when I learned about it, I want to know part of causing harm to others. And so I took it off my plate. Yeah. I mean, I think I've talked about it before. Like, I mean, kids don't know, they're, they don't know anything. I mean, nobody sits them down and explains to them what they're eating. It's, 
it's amazing that I didn't go vegan beforehand, you know, because I am, I'm such an animal lover. I mean, my parents thought that I was going to be a veterinarian when I was like five, because I loved, I had such, such a, you know, a draw to them and, and all, all animals and all, it didn't matter what it was. I was like fascinated by snakes, like all this like weird that everybody was like, what? She is so like, (laughs) I just loved every little creature, you know? Um, but I wish that I had done it at eight years old instead, but yeah, it's also been interesting now, decades later, having gone through babysitting lots of kids and now like sharing so much content on YouTube, I hear from a lot of young kids who are maybe 10, 11, 12, or even younger watching these videos, learning about these things and saying, I want to go vegan, but I talked to my parents and they won't let me. Or mm. kids that I would babysit when when I was younger, they would be like, oh, I, wanna, I don't want to eat meat, but my parents would never allow that. Mm. And there's this moment, I think for many people when they're at that young, but old enough to make the connection stage of being like, oh, this does come from animals. I don't really want to participate in that. And it it seems like whether they hold on to that and can pursue it and allow that to impact their choices or not has a lot to do with the environment that they're in as kids. Um, and if they get support from their parents, like my parents very easily could have said, nope, you're eating what we're eating. You can't eat your own food and starve or do what we're saying. Like there's that, that, it could have very realistically been an option. And I'm so strong-willed that I may have just done a starvation (laughs) 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 campaign until they pulled it. But a lot of kids, like, I mean, depending on what type of kid you are, aren't aren't going to do that. So it is really interesting seeing seeing that. And it's, yeah, it's just a huge shout out to all the, the parents out there who are supportive and really listen and take into account what your kids are um, interested in and care about and foster that because it's so important and they get to be healthier at the same time. <laughs> I know, 100%. Yeah. My niece has, uh, every time I see her, she asks me about veganism. Like every time she talks, yeah. she, she will bring it up at some point. And like, she, I know she wants to, but she's told me before, like my mom just, you know, she, I, maybe when I get older, I can, because, right. you know, my mom, and I'm like, oh, this is sad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, I mean, she, she has the, the compassion for it. And she definitely, I mean, it definitely impacts her, your brain. Like she's thinking about it a lot, especially, like I said, when she's with me. Um, but then again, then when we go out to eat, it, it's still, she's still so young that for her, it doesn't completely register. It does, but it doesn't. Cause then we go out to eat like she stayed with me, you know, for like a couple nights or whatever. And, and I'm like, okay, like, you know, what kind of, I, I never would make it. It's like, you know, ordering it out. Um, like we go to a taco place or something and, and I give her the options and she's like, I want chicken, but she's not, right. She's not thinking about it at all. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 And it's interesting. Cause when you go through that stage where you're like, I want to do this when I'm older and making my own choices, you feel very passionate about that. But years, if not a decade plus down the line, are you going to remember like your seven-year-old or 10-year-old self being like, this is something I really care about. So, and same thing as adults, if we're like, Hey, I really want to try this. I really want to try this vegan thing one day when after, right after you watch a documentary or right, right when you're feeling super inspired, if you don't take action relatively swiftly and in a big way, a lot of times that inspiration is lost and you never get back to it. Yeah, totally true. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, it definitely was, uh, mine was from documentaries that I was watching and it was pretty immediate. Like, and everything that I thought I knew was so wrong, you know, but, but it was just basically from propaganda and marketing that they do such a good job, you know, instilling these images of these happy cows, you know, and, and that was really implanted in me. Like I really, and, and like I've said before, I think it's, it's insane looking back that I didn't do it before because I just love animals so much. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we all get, Hopefully, I mean, you know, I got here <laughs> just not as soon as I would have liked now. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's so important to remember that path for so many of us took a long time. We are actually very lucky to have been exposed to what we were in a state in our life where we were independent enough or whatever, had whatever support systems or privileges around us to be able to take um, initiative and be where we are now. And it's a big reason why Tony and I are so passionate about advocating for being friendly vegans yes. and why we wrote the friendly vegan cookbook is, is because a lot of times once you learn these things and you, you become what you identify as vegan, mm -hmm. you then look at anyone who's not and is like, come on, hurry up. Why don't you yeah. get it? Why don't you understand? I'm mad at you. I'm angry at you. And it just, you have this this level of passion that turns into something a little bit less kind and friendly and understanding of the path that everyone needs to go on in order to evolve in any different way as a human being. So hundred percent. Yeah. And pretty much all, all of my, my vegan friends right now, like they had that exact experience when they first went, you know, plant-based vegan, when you first learned about it, they, they were so passionate and they were so eager to, you know, tell their family and like, this is how you should be eating, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And, and that's not the way <laughs> to really, you know, to get people to, to change and, and because it's a huge, it's a huge shift, you know, and it's life altering, but it can be in such a, uh, I mean, it is such a positive thing. Um, but yeah, sometimes you know, there's, you can come across not so friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yep, definitely. So Tony, share your story. Did you have a similar experience becoming vegan or was it totally different? Uh, my story is totally different than Michelle's. I grew up not caring about animals. My family put our dog outside and uh, I just felt like animals were for eating or for protecting the house. And, and so I came at it from such a different mindset and with a negative opinion of vegans. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I started making switches to my diet only because I cared about my health and my performance as an athlete. And my coach suggested that I cut down on red meat and fast food. And I feel like when you're making those kinds of steps, you become less defensive about learning about animals in, in the meantime, while you're making those um, eliminations to your diet. So I first gave up red meat and then gave up fish and went on and on and on from there. But uh, I had never really thought about the food that I put into my body and how it would impact me. I'd never really thought about the food systems before. It just wasn't part of my my upbringing or education. Mm -hmm. I'm sure like many others who are listening to this podcast, it just wasn't 
it just wasn't there. And I guess times are different now with documentaries and um, content so available on online. But at that point, my space wasn't <laughs> my space wasn't really the place for um, for people to share that kind of information. Probably unless you were Michelle and just. Uh, sharing it everywhere you could possibly, <laughs> sharing the message anywhere you possibly could. But I didn't know any really serious vegetarians at that time. And it wasn't until I was around 18 and got really into punk rock music that I learned more <laughs> and found more people who were vegetarian. And I became vegetarian myself at 18 and then at 20 became vegan through my veg club at our community college. And it was so helpful to have a community of people who were in a similar position to me, who were on a budget, who had cultural ties to their food, and to be with them as we all transitioned into veganism together and to have that support and to learn how to cook together we used to do this thing called womanly wednesdays and everyone was invited but it started off with just a few women at my house cooking a meal a vegan meal and watching a romantic comedy <laughs> and it. and it turned into this like 20 person thing in the three years we did it every wednesday like 20 people would come over and i would organize this elaborate meal of an appetizer and an entree mm. and a dessert and a salad. And I would divide the ingredients list to cut costs down for everyone who attended. And mm. so I would say, you bring the celery, you bring the pasta sauce, you bring the chocolate chips for dessert, you bring this. And together we would create this really big meal and we would share the labor of putting putting everything together and it was just so fun and that's actually how I learned how to cook. Wow. I learned how to cook by checking out books from the library and uh and then cooking them with my friends. And then to go from there to activism was around the same time I just got so passionate and as I mentioned I became less defensive as I was learning this information and um then started to care about the animals yeah. and the environment, both of which I had not considered prior. And I became an ethical vegetarian first. And then it wasn't until I learned about what was happening in the dairy industry that I felt a little bit like a little bit hypocritical because I was telling everyone that they were unethical. I was one of those passionate vegetarians who was a little <laughs> bit angry and uh we've and, all been there <laughs> yeah yeah I was still I was still contributing to so much suffering yeah. and so I became vegan not overnight very gradually over the span of a couple years from vegetarian to vegan and um and I have not looked back how how did both of y'all's families react when you went vegan? Like full vegan? Well, my Before family, 20. my family, they were not supportive. Yeah. They were very much thinking like you're a radical hippie. I don't <laughs> understand. How did this happen to us? We raised you to be a good, we raised you to be a good 
daughter how did this tragic thing happen to us <laughs> and uh and it wasn't until I would say I guess I had been uh probably I was vegan for five years that they came to visit me at my job at a farmed animal sanctuary and they thought wow this is actually not a face for her and from there they started to accommodate me and mm. now at, at Thanksgiving there are things for me to eat and my mom is, has gone from serving me prego sauce and noodles to <laughs> making something more elaborate so that I can enjoy something similar to what everyone else is eating. Mm-hmm. What about you Michelle? Yeah, well, my parents have had to come to grips with it since I was a wee little eight-year-old. So they've had some time to adjust along the way. Um, And I think they just kind of every every few years would be like, huh, Michelle's still vegetarian. And then (laughs) now she's telling everyone else about it. And huh, now this is like part of her career and life and the the things that she's doing. So they, they came to grips with like, with like, this is, this is here to stay. And for a long time, they would just like, I would make delicious food and then I would give it to my dad and he would chop up meat and put meat on it. <laughs> but my mom was, has always been a very big health enthusiast. And so for her, when I was just vegetarian, there wasn't really a health component there. It was obviously just doing it for the animals and I wasn't really eating super healthfully. But when I became vegan, um, my mom was also skeptical because she knew that my underlying cause was the animals. But suddenly mm. I started reading books like Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease and the China Study and all sorts of books that I'm listening to all sorts of doctors that were sharing how healthful eating a plant-based diet can be. And just, I started seeing it more as eating whole foods, eating healthy foods, just my, the foods that I ate turned from white bread, white pasta, white cereal with milk and lots of cheese to a whole rainbow of fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and grains and things that really were nourishing my body. And so my mom started to see that, that shift and be like, okay, now this is something I can get on board with. And so today my mom is actually, she's mostly vegan. She's basically vegan. Occasionally she'll like have a bite of cake or like whatever. Right. Yeah. Which is amazing. I'm just like, oh my gosh, it feels so good. It's so good. (laughs) And it's so nice to be able to talk to them about it too. You know, like my mom and I are like best friends. So (laughs) and to cook together, like that was a thing that was missing from my childhood now. Like Tony learned to cook, um, far before I did because I was just so bland in my food. But once I started eating vegan and then once my mom got on board with it too, like now that we can cook together and really explore recipes and have that camaraderie, it is really a beautiful thing to be able to share. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so bonding and like, you know, just food in general is, um, is what, yeah, bonds all societies and cultures. And, and so if, if one person is, not eating what everybody else is eating. <laughs> it uh, kind of breaks that up and it's uh, can be very challenging, you know, emotionally um, for a family. That's the book is food sharing and how important it is to cultures and families and literally breaking bread and discussing your day or what life has been like for you at the holiday 
when you're sharing food over the holidays. And Michelle and I wanted to make sure that the recipes that we were putting in that book were going to be food that everyone can enjoy regardless of whether or not they're vegan, because we understand that those moments are so crucial. Mm -hmm. And then we can all still, you know, we obviously want to to encourage people to try to eat more plant-based, um, but we're still going to be friends with the people if they don't, you know, <laughs> we're yeah, still going to love you. If you, even if you're an omnivore, I mean, we'd love for you to come over. <laughs> and, definitely. Uh, <laughs> That's one of the things that we hear from, um, just our online community so often is questions like, how do I handle the holidays? What, how do I handle these tough conversations? What, when people ask me questions, how do I respond? And that's a lot of what, what we've, what we dive into in our various online content, and especially on the Plant Powered People podcast, when we are talking about these things in depth. And um, to provide resources is something that we didn't really have along our journeys. Tony and I both went vegan about 13 years ago. And so at that time, there wasn't a lot of online content. There weren't a lot of podcasts yeah. to listen to. There weren't a lot of websites and like <laughs> blogs were even it's so easy now. Yeah. 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 And so we kind of went through figuring out how to navigate those things ourselves, but it's really cool to be at a time now where you can tune into entertaining content like your podcast and be able to learn these things and feel like when you step into the situation, it's not you navigating something brand new for the first time alone, but you're like, oh, I've heard people talk about this lots of times before and I know exactly what I'm going to do, which is such a comforting feeling. Yeah. Like any, any weird feeling you're having, you can just search it on YouTube and like find a video of somebody talking yes. about that specific thing, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. So, so your, y'all's book is, is this a, your first book y'all have done together? Yeah. Or yes. Yeah. Cool. Sort of. Um, we have, so Tony, this is her third traditionally published book, Tony's nice. third book. Um, yeah. And it's my first traditionally published book, but Tony and I have been creating resources together yeah, for true. many years. And we've created yeah. some like eBooks and things and meal plans and whatnot that, that we've done together. And we just loved working together so much and everything we create and our, just our pal passions balance each other so, so beautifully that, that, yeah, that went into this book. And this is something that we've had sort of in our hearts for a long time when pretty soon after. After Tony and I first became friends years ago, we were like, we want to write a book together one day. <laughs> and we actually like, we went, we took a trip to a bookstore, it was like a Barnes and Noble or something. Um, and we were looking through all the books just to see where the holes were, like what's missing from what's out there, from what people need and what's already been created. And that um, went through a lot of different iterations. If anyone's thinking about writing things out there, we feel like there could be more for college kids, more mm. for young kids, kids yeah. more and mm. more for, there's all these different holes that we found because um, we wanted to create something that was, that was actually needed and valuable. And um, yeah, we're so glad we landed here. Yeah. Um, so it comes out in October. It looks like. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So did y'all get together in, in, in the kitchen and make lots of yummy stuff together? Is that how, we, how they happen? <laughs> how did somebody do that? <laughs> we divided the labor and oh, nice. we, we came with a lot of recipes that we loved. Right. And those were what the, those were the, that, that was the starting place for us. And what we would do was we would perfected in our own kitchen and then 
send it over to the other person for them to put their stamp of approval. (laughs) And then usually there would be a couple notes. Sometimes it would go back to the original creator and then it would go out to our 100 recipe testers. Uh, We had every recipe tested about five times minimum by someone else. And those other people were so diverse. There were people who had never really cooked. There were people who were experienced chefs. Many of them were not vegetarians because that was our, that was like the, the best. If you can get someone who eats meat and cheese to say that this is the best recipe, then you know it's a winner. And, and so that, that's basically the process that we had set up to get through all of our recipe testing. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Like we love cooking in the kitchen together and we for sure did a bunch of that with these recipes and even since polishing them. And I mean, our recipes have been done actually for quite a while because the bookmaking process is a long one, Yeah, Yeah. Uh, but we've since cooked so many of these things together, but it is crazy. The amount of recipe testing and making and remaking and retesting and perfecting recipes that goes on that, um, yeah, when you have a team of two, it really helps to be able to not get burnt out on that. When I'm just like, I can't make this recipe again, but <laughs> something is a little bit off. And then you pass it to someone who's to Tony who's making it for the first time. And she'd be like, I know exactly what's missing. And she'd make it and send it back to me. And then I make it again. And I'm like, oh my God, you got it. <laughs> it was a really fun process. Yeah, that definitely helps to have somebody else. <laughs> I can't imagine writing a cookbook alone. So to all, all of them uh, who do props. <laughs> oh my God. I was telling Michelle, it- I wrote Play Pace on a Budget by myself, and it was such a much more enjoyable process writing it with my with my dear friend Michelle. Yeah. That like you get to share all of the the tough times and the really exciting times. When I was doing it by myself, there was no one who really understood how exciting every little <laughs> part of the journey is, and to share that with Michelle has been such a gift. Yeah. Or how painful some of the times are too. (laughs) Yeah. In the various projects that Tony and I have created over the years, there's always a time where one of us is like on a ball, in a ball crying on the floor, whether it's, you know, our external hard drive with all the photographs permanently or like the meal planning, something's not adding up. And there was like an ingredient is whatever it is. Like there are for sure really, really hard times. And a lot of them through a long process and creating a book. And it, it really is nice to have like both someone to vent to and cry to to and like be there with you and help you. The other thing that was really interesting is every time we'd come across a challenge, like our book is coming out in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so that means where we'd usually be doing a book tour and going on live television and traveling all around. And our vision for how this book was going to be released to the world is totally different. And it's also coming out around a really, uh, a really intense election. And so Tony was like, Oh my God, I'm so worried. And like, we, we sort of balance each other out. Like when one person is really concerned about something or feeling really down about something, the other person just lifts is, is like on the yeah. opposite end and can yeah. be like a perspective shift shift. So that's yeah. really nice too. It helps balance it out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool to have two brains so Michelle mentioned that this is looking a lot different than what we intended. This, um, what happens after you launch a book, it just looks completely different in COVID and it's nice to have an idea and then bounce it off of each other and elaborate 
on it. And so together we've come up with lots of different interesting ways that I couldn't have done on my own hmm. because there are two brains. Yeah. With it, just far as promoting it and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. promoting it and making it exciting on our own platforms. There's right. only so many times that using that promoting your book on your platform is going to be exciting <laughs> right. for your audience. So <laughs> you like, have to make sure we're <laughs> providing really valuable content and not just saying, hey, buy our book, but making it engaging for people who may be interested. Yeah. And building the excitement, you know, around it, I suppose. Um so do y'all, do y'all have, I, do y'all have like the same, uh, like flavor palette? Do you like the same types of food? Yeah. So that's yes. been really interesting too. I mean, for the most part we do, but not 100%. And it's been very fascinating sending it to recipe testers who have all different types yeah. of flavor palettes. We'll get one recipe. We'll be like 10 out, 15 out of 10. This is the best I've ever had. I'm going to make this every day. And the other person will be like, I had to spit it out and throw ah! it away. It was so salty. Oh God. <laughs> Zero out of 10. And it's, it, it's really tough to balance, but Tony and I have pretty similar palettes in that we're able to work with all the tester feedback and with with each other to make sure that anything where I'm like, Ooh, I would just dump tons of, I'm trying to think of something I like, but you don't like Tony. I don't know. Tons of oh, something. I, I have on. a good example. A good example. Okay. Uh, one thing that we really just couldn't get the, get on the same page about is lemonade. I like country mm -hmm. time lemonade, like <laughs> really pour the whole thing of sugar in there. And <laughs> Alex, a tart lemonade. Uh -huh. And so that was fun trying to meet in the middle. Yeah. And we ended up, I think, did we include two ver? We had like sort of had to include two versions and it's really helpful. So if one person's writing a book, you're going to get to know their flavor preferences really well. And you might make a recipe and hate it. It doesn't mean it's a terrible recipe. Probably they just have a different flavor palette and, yeah. and, and interest in food than you do. But, but with Tony and I we were able to sort of not, we, like we cut recipes out that I loved, but Tony didn't love or Tony right. loved, but I didn't love, or Tony thought people would love. And I was like, I don't think people are going to love this and vice versa. <laughs> so it really did put us through this screening process of trying to create the book that would have recipes that are accessible, delicious, for the vast majority of people who pick it up and try it, that they'll be foolproof, come out well and be beloved. Cause we wanted to make sure that even your skeptical uncle, even, you know, your friends who are like, heck no, would I ever go vegan can eat this food and probably not even notice that it's vegan. But right. even if you say that coming up, they're not going to be able to poo-poo it. They're going to be like, oh, this is actually really delicious. Yeah. What's your favorite, each of y'all's favorite meal to serve like your super omnivore friend or family member? Um, I love fettuccine Alfredo. It used to be, um, I used to love making stuffed shells for people. Cause I just feel like that has that fancy feel, but it's actually pretty easy. And so we have a recipe for stuffed shells in the book, which you mm -hmm. use like a tofu based ricotta with basil and all the stuff. That's really yummy. Yeah. Um, but I developed a fettuccine Alfredo recipe that is now my go-to because I loved fettuccine Alfredo as a kid. And 
I just was one of those things that when I went vegan, I thought I would never have it again. And for sure, if I did have it, it's never the type of thing that you'd serve to someone non-vegan because you would obviously be able to tell like, this is made from cashews or something Mm. like that. And we just (laughs) totally nailed it. I hope Mm. anyone gets the book, tries the fettuccine Alfredo. It's so good. So that's my favorite. Yum. You're asking such a tough question. It's like, which of your children is your favorite? (laughs) I would, I guess if I have to say, I'm pretty fond of our ramen and I have a whole setup. So it's using fresh ramen noodles and a very rich broth that you make. And it's a creamy ramen. And I have since we developed this recipe, bought nice ramen bowls and nice spoons and nice uh, (laughs) chopsticks so that when we do have dinner guests or when we were having dinner guests, uh, I could serve it properly. And I think that the whole experience is just really nice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's half of the, you know, of the, yeah, of the experience of eating is I think like putting it in, you know, special bowls or using special, you know, silverware or whatever is like, just makes it, you know, mm-hmm. special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My husband loves ramen. So mm. <laughs> like instant or, or no, uh, no, like, okay. Just, oh gosh. No. Oh my gosh. We're not in college anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, like, don't hate on my ramen noodles. <laughs> ramen. <laughs> no. no, he's like, uh, and he's mostly plant-based. So it's hard, you know, we'll, before, you know, COVID, there was this, uh, like pop-up ramen thing that would happen, uh, in our town when we lived in, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. And, but they wouldn't always have a vegan one, you know, a lot of times it would be like, you know, pig broth and pork broth or whatever. Um, but if it wasn't, if it was a vegan one, I mean, he would go out of his way to find out wherever they were, you know, just oh like, gosh. just to eat this ramen. So cool. if you guys ever visit Sacramento, Tony and I are going to have to take you to our favorite, favorite ramen place, or just make you our ramen. From oh, pork, either one. <laughs> yeah. Ramen is, I mean, I feel like that's a, I mean, any type of pasta thing is across the board. Like everybody who, how can't you like pasta? You know, what's wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, so I had like a couple of questions from some of my uh, Instagram family um, awesome. for y'all. And one of them, which I thought was pretty funny, um, it was, do you believe in the, in, the, um, in the old saying, whole food, whole paycheck? Talking about yeah. like whole foods, you know, I mean. <laughs> yep. Tony, well, I'll let you take this one. Yeah. <laughs> my... My love and passion is plant-based on a budget. It's (laughs) everything to me. So (laughs) whenever I hear that, it breaks my heart a little bit. And I would say to your Instagram family member that that is definitely a misconception. Michelle and I have... Well, wait, hold on. First, are they talking about Whole Foods, the market? The Whole Foods, or, yeah, the store. Yeah, so it's the yeah. store Whole Foods. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, oh, oh I'm so sorry. So they I call- thought you were talking about eating whole Sorry. food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's breaking my heart. I was like, uh, I would think Tony would say, heck yeah, that's expensive. <laughs> okay. Um, Michelle, you can, I'll let you speak there to that because you shop at Whole Foods. I, okay. I don't shop at Whole Foods. So we'll talk about the whole food, whole foods as the food. And then 
and but we'll start with the store. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. So start for the store. It's actually interesting. So uh, Whole Foods can be a little bit more expensive, although now that it was acquired by Amazon, yeah, um, seen that. I feel like that's changing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually, Tony and I created these plant-based on a budget meal plans that show you how to eat healthfully for as little as $25 a week, which is crazy. And so yeah. when we initially went shopping for that entire week of food, we went to the most affordable stores, places like Winco, just big shopping stores that mm-hmm. um, are very different from Whole Foods. And mm-hmm. I wanted to see, well, okay, so we know we can get all of our food for the week for like maybe $18 at these stores. How, if we got the exact same things at Whole Foods, how much would the price change? And so I did a whole video comparison on that. And I also showed like shopping in bulk at Whole Foods. So if you're getting like oats from the bulk bin or whatever, versus getting those little packaged oats, um, showing the price difference between all of those things. And it, it for sure is more expensive. If you are trying to save money on food, choosing a grocery store, that's going to have the most affordable options for what you're buying on a, on a weekly or monthly basis will make a big impact over the long run. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think is, um, like you said, with Amazon acquiring it, I've seen, I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that the prices have gone down and that I actually see more expensive at other places, but the, yeah. I feel like that's like packaged stuff, you know, um, more so, but I mean, produce and things like that, I don't think, or I don't, I don't think they're that expensive that, or that much more, you know, it's gone down a lot specifically with produce. I used to go and get all of my produce at, at other grocery stores specifically because whole foods was so expensive. And mm-hmm. now I get pretty much all the whole whole foods. Cause it's become a lot more price competitive with like mm-hmm. even, yeah. Things that I would buy all the time, like carrots and things like yeah. that. bananas are closer in price. Bananas are actually the cheapest at at Whole Foods. They're cheaper than at Walmart. Oh yeah. Nice. They, well, all these stores should start doing what Trader Joe's does, which is why I've always bought my bananas at Trader Joe's because they put like bananas, 19 cents or 29 cents, which sounds cent, yeah. so low. Yeah. Although I know it probably but comes out to the same, if not more, <laughs> uh, as all these other places. But I'm just like, ah, this is such a steal. I'm going to shop at Trader Joe's specifically for bananas. <laughs> there's one thing that Trader Joe's is good at. It is marketing. Yes, definitely. And it's yeah, so definitely. cute in there and so fun. Oh, it is. <laughs> a little shopping so paradise. I just went to Trader Joe's and it's not near me. And so I never go there, but I I went over there and I stocked up on so many chocolate chips because I wanted to bake. And then it became 111 degrees in Sacramento. And then I haven't baked. (laughs) So now Uh this bag, this like giant bag of 20 bags of chocolate chips. Whoa. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Good thing they're shelf stable. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The other thing that I feel like Trader Joe's has a really good price on is avocados. They generally have the yes. best price on avocados. Well, yeah. I'm going to dispute that. Okay. Because <laughs> I live near Sprouts. And oh, Sprouts we don't have a Sprouts. Has, oh. oh, okay. Sprouts has two for a dollar avocados. <gasps> and, uh, and that is where I go and stock up on okay. my avocados. Well, I wish we had a Sprouts. Dang it. <laughs> Okay. So, and then the other question then, do you believe then that uh, the whole food diet is your whole paycheck? That I would say with a definite no, No. uh, basics, basic staples like rice and beans and lentils and black eyed peas and produce 
and seeds are so inexpensive. And when you look at things like uh, price per ounce or price per pound for plant-based proteins, for example, like beans, uh, you just can't get that cost down in the same way for meat. And uh, Michelle actually mentioned these earlier, but we have these plant-based on a budget meal plans that show people how to eat for seven days for under $25. And we've seen people use them in all different types of climates across the country, across the globe. And it really dramatically helps to have something like a meal plan. So even if you're creating a meal plan yourself, starting with something that is a guide to help you use your staples is going to keep your costs down dramatically. Taking, taking, um, I'm blanking on the word. Can you help me? Oh, taking note, like taking note of what you have already in your pantry and starting from there is also a good, a good place because it's going to prevent you from overspending at the grocery store. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of ways to save money and I'm happy to discuss this more if anyone wants to shoot me an email. Anyone who feels that it's going to be too expensive to be plant-based, please talk to me. I will help you. I will talk you through it. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, if you're eating a bunch of processed food and packaged food, then yeah, the price can add up, especially, and also like uh, plant or meat alternatives, you know, those kind of things, those Mm -hmm. can get, those can get pretty pricey. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. What do y'all think about those things, like meat alternatives? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how you feel. <laughs> I am. I'm just gonna tell y'all how I feel. Yeah. Um, For I, me, I'm at so least. glad they yeah. exist. Yeah. Same. And yeah, I, I mean, I was vegetarian since I was eight until college, and so I lived for a long time with zero meat. And when people would bring up a veggie burger, I was like, oh no, I, don't, I have no interest in eating meat. Right. So I don't feel like I need it at all or crave it. But now that it's everywhere and everyone's eating it, and when people come over, it's like, or you have a barbecue or yeah. whatever, and people love it. I, I love that. And then I've sort of acclimated a a taste for it. And my (laughs) husband's from Ohio, so he's vegan and plant-based, but I'll say he's vegan because he's definitely not as much of a health food vegan, but he loves those things. So it's good to find balance, especially if you're toggling a household where maybe you have people who are not as passionate about, um, optimizing their health in the best way possible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I echo what Michelle says. We we eat mostly a whole food plant-based diet at our house uh, with some exceptions. Like I do like the Amy's frozen burritos. I like uh, some other convenience frozen foods that are along the lines of burritos, but we don't <laughs> buy them very often. Those are kind of like, if you have nothing in the house left, uh, that's yeah. what we go to. But let me try to think of one thing we consistently have. Do you consider um, do you consider tofu and tempeh? No, I love foods? those. Okay, I, well, I eat them. We I eat don't. A, love, yeah, I love them. We so. eat a lot of tofu in our house. We yeah. love the extra firm tofu. Hundred mm, percent, so yeah. good. And I, I do get the tofurkey deli slices sometimes. Oh, my husband for, loves those yeah. for sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I used to love sandwiches, and they're so easy to put together when you're having a busy day. So yeah, I would say those are, those are my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tofu and tempeh. I just made some tofu like, uh, 
it was the first time I made like, you know, y'all have Chick-fil-A, I think maybe, um, like Chick-fil-A yes. nuggets with the, with the, uh, I mean, it's just the batter that makes them so good. It's not even the, of course it's not the chicken. Like nobody's just plain chicken, you know? Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> have you had the morning star chicken nuggets? No, I've never had those. They sell those at, um, a lot of places, but we get ours at Walmart and I like to serve those when we have guests over as an appetizer. So I usually put out some barbecue sauce or some ranch, vegan ranch and bake a bunch of like two bags of those and even meat eaters say that they're delicious. Mmm, those sound great. I will definitely get those the next time we're having a party, whenever that is. <laughs> um, so I was going to bring up the holidays because when y'all's book comes out, it's basically going to be kind of like the beginning of the holidays, I suppose. Um, what is y'all's like favorite? You can say multiple. You don't have to just pick one. It's just it's like, <laughs> like kids. You can like them all. Okay. <laughs> Your like favorite like holiday, holiday dish, I guess. Tony, I know Michelle's. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think now. Like, hmm, what's my green bean casserole? Ooh. Oh, well, so see, this is a controversial one because I know everyone's either a green bean lover or hater. And when we were deciding the recipe, who's a hater? Like, I don't like green beans. I, I, ah! I don't know. My mom doesn't like her. I know a lot of people who don't yeah. like green beans, but I have such a fondness for them. And it's been one of those things that over the years, I often have Friendsgivings events. And so uh-huh. all these different people have created green bean casserole recipes or made different recipes online. And so have sort of tried a lot of different styles and I really wanted to create one that in this case it matches my palate because Tony's not even into green beans and I also found that that's something where people really vary some people like it really dark and crispy Uh, really well done some people want like that crunch in uh, the still so Mm -hmm. I I created one that I like and I love so I hope you guys like it too (laughs) I think we nailed a few things. The mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh, yeah. And we have a mushroom gravy, and neither Michelle nor I are big mushroom fans, yet we still love this gravy. Oh, so that says a lot. And then we have uh, a cool twist on a traditional pumpkin pie. And I want to say it sounds interesting, but it is fantastic. It is a pumpkin chocolate. No, it's oh. a, a pumpkin chocolate pie or chocolate pumpkin pie. And ooh, it's really good. I've been serving it for Thanksgiving for a long time and it's always a hit. And it's made with silken tofu, but you would never <gasps> guess it. That's the other thing about um, our holiday recipes in this book. So we have a whole variety of recipes. We have some that are made just from whole foods and smoothies and super healthy things like that. But then we wanted to make sure we were creating recipes that you really feel like you can serve to your friends and family. And it might be a little bit more decadent than what you would eat on a regular basis. But, but we didn't want to put anyone in this situation where you're serving a plant-based meal that people are going to come over and just be like, I feel like I ate like a rabbit. I'm going to have to go and like binge Chick-fil-A on the way home after this holiday meal. Like we want people to have this warm experience with food and, and realize you don't have to sacrifice anything for this meal. And that's a big part of, I think, being 
just leading by positive example and of course eating healthy, but also helping to show people that it doesn't have to be a sacrifice and that it's not that different from what they're familiar with eating and that there is that way to have like a foot in the door and you can eat literally the same foods and flavors that you're used to and decadence that you're used to and just remove the animals. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. You don't have to sacrifice any flavor. Um, I think the other complaint that people have, uh, ones that have never actually gone plant-based, but their reservation is they think it's going to take a lot of time. Um, So what would you say to those people? It, it takes no more time than if you're like, if you're cooking home cooked meals, whether you're cooking meat or whether you're cooking plants, plants are probably going to be faster to cook actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also I carry a lot of the risks, a lot less risk. You're not going to risk undercooking meat and then getting sick. Yeah. Or getting salmonella for you can eat your cookie dough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah. So if you're, if you're cooking at home anyway, I don't think it would take any more time, but also a lot of people that we find are really not cooking at home that much. And Mm -hmm. it's when they decide to start eating vegan or plant-based that they start thinking, oh my gosh, well, I need to cook my own food since I'm not going to be able to rely on my favorites at these restaurants anymore. Let me see if I can find some vegan recipes to make at home. So they're learning to cook for the first time. And in those states, like obviously it'll take a little more time to cook a home cooked meal rather than buying something from a restaurant or where they do it all for you, but right. it's such a positive time investment. And if you feel like it's taking too long to make recipes in the beginning, like I look at chopping an onion, someone who's brand new to chopping an onion, it's actually going to take some time to do that. <laughs> but once you've been chopping an onion that enough that you can do it in your sleep and you're just done, it takes no time at all. So the more that you cook, the faster it will get. And um, also the more that you cook a variety of recipes, the more you'll build up that intuition to not have to be like, okay, let me go pick a recipe and just find the exact ingredients to shop for, for that recipe to make sure I have it on hand. Like you get to the point where your kitchen is stocked with the things that you need and you can turn to into your intuition to cook things, food that you love and your family will love. So. Also, Michelle and I are busy ourselves. I'm busy with my family and work and Michelle's a new mom and and we understand that sometimes there's not a lot of time to mm-hmm. be preparing something really elaborate in the kitchen. So we took that into consideration and when we had the opportunity to cut a step or figure out some way to make this easier, we definitely did that if it didn't compromise the taste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times people are just, you know, it's like the unknown. They're just, they don't even, they're afraid to even try because they think it's going to be so hard. But like we've said earlier, I mean, there's a wealth of information right at our fingertips and, you know, y'all have created, you know, different cookbooks and then these, you know, seven day, uh, um, meal guides and whatnot. So, I mean, there's so much information you just have to seek it out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this was great. Um, I am really excited for y'all's book that's coming out. Um, a lot of times I ask like, what's going on, you know, for you in the future, but I'd say that that's probably (laughs) what y'all have on the radar right now. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, um, 
it can be pre-ordered or what's the, what's the status of that? Yeah. If you want to get a copy, you can visit friendlyvegancookbook.com where we have links um, where you can go ahead and pre-order the book. We also have some fun pre-order bonuses that you can check out, including getting some of the recipes right now, including the fettuccine Alfredo that I love so much. (laughs) Um, So that'll get to you right away. And then the book is coming in October and we're also giving away Vitamix, which we love (gasps) being able to. Yeah. So we're we're personally buying one because we were just like, this is one of our favorite tools. In the, in the kitchen, but we know it's something that a lot of people can't um, shell out hundreds of dollars for a right. high power blender. So we've got that going on and yeah, it's available anywhere you shop for books, your favorite bookstore. If you like to shop local, super awesome. But if you just uh, want the easy route of Amazon, it's there too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I will put all of y'all's information uh, in the show notes. And again, thank y'all so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thanks. Wasn't that a fun episode? They are so cute together and I wish that of course we could have been in person, but well, they're in California and I'm on the East Coast still. So But maybe one day we can sit down and have a vegan meal together. But I hope that inspired you. I feel re-inspired and excited for the holidays to come up. Excited to get in the kitchen and create some new recipes and hopefully get a hold of their book so I can maybe get that green bean casserole recipe if it's in there because I like green beans. Um, And yeah, just creating memories over food. I mean, that is what, what food is. It is a, a way for people to connect. And if we can connect and create delicious meals that are centered around plants and no bean has to be harmed, then why would we not do that? Just being able to go to bed at night and feel good about my day and, and what I stand for, you know, which is no harm no harm to anyone. But at the end, but also, you know, being able to be friends with those, which is the title of this episode, obviously, it's becoming a friendly vegan and a friendly vegan. We can all be friends and hopefully lead by example, which I think is is always the best, uh, the best way to go about anything, right? Is just lead by example. So be your positive, amazing, full of light person who is healthy and happy and that energy admits out and other people want a piece of it, right? Because most people want to be happy and healthy. That's pretty much, I would hope a lot, I think is a lot of people's goals, right? (laughs) That's what we're all striving for. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. And you can sign up for my newsletter at therefinedhippie.com. And be sure to follow me along on Instagram at therefinedhippie. And until next time, my lovely friends, peace and plants. Peace and plants.